Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, once again, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Let's Boogie one-on-one show right here on Fresh Nation Radio. We are here. We are so excited to be here together once again, and we're bringing you a show. Man, we have a guest coming on tonight that is going to really blow your mind. She's so special, and she's part of the family as well, and you know who she is when we bring her on. We just want to say to you and yours, we hope that everything is, is good with you because we're feeling good and we're ready to go. And with that being said, I want to introduce once again, Ms. Dalia Manette. How you doing, Dalia? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Glad to be here. Good to, see, good. You. Good to <laughs> see you. And then we always, like always, we got a man, my man, comedian, Tattletales in the building, y'all. Ha <laughs> ha! How y'all doing, everybody? <clears throat> I'm a little bit of, little bit of horse again, but it's going to go away. I got in 3 o'clock this morning. I did two shows last night. I laughed out loud. I'm in New York. 46th Street, between 8th and 9th Avenue. I'll be there again next Monday, too. Y'all come on out. Hey, y'all, how y'all doing? Right. <laughs> yeah, turn it off. It <laughs> look like you still, still on the stage, brother. You're still on stage. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. So how's everybody doing, man? What's going on? What's going on with y'all? Sugar withdrawals. Oh, Day yeah. 15. Really? Tell us about that. Now, you was talking about that off air. Give us some insight on that. What's going on? I decided to stop all sugar. It has every day is a different feeling. So today I'm feeling fantastic. Yesterday was okay day. Mm-hmm. My day 10 was horrible where I couldn't get off of my office couch. I this is my living room, by the way. That's not the office. Um, I had one day where my nose kept running like I was an addict and mm-hmm. I was going wow. to I needed a hit or something, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but, it is so crazy to think the amount of sugar that we eat unknowingly. And on top of that, I'm a candy addict. So I love my Mike and Ikes, my Jelly Bellies, <laughs> my Twizzlers, all of that good stuff. And candy corn. I eat candy corn 365. Candy corn. Wow. Candy corn. That's a straight sugar to the veins. Yes, it is. And I decided mm. no more of that. I'm going to stop sugar and process sugar. Um, I'm not even taking even honey. So, so let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question about this, Dan. Let me ask you a question about the sugar thing. There's sugar in everything, correct? Everything. Just about how do everything. you how do you know what to eat? Do you have a list? How did you go about no, deciding no, well, what not I, to eat? I I have allergies as well, so I don't eat wheat, eggs, pork, or beef. So when you start with that, you already know every single thing that you purchase. You have to look on the label. So mm. there. Say, say, like, my favorite chip is Tostitos. I can have plain Tostitos with nothing on it. I can't have the Tostitos with a hint of lime because it has sugar in it, And which is crazy to me that you're buying something that might be spicy, but they yeah. put sugar in it. So every single label I have to eat. And so you end up just getting vegetables and meat and basics. I even, even the bread we eat. And I eat this bread. I used to eat this bread called Char, which has, it's made with, um, um, I forgot what the flour it is, but there's no wheat in it and there's no eggs mm. in it. Wow. I had to stop eating that because it has sugar in it. So mm. now I'm eating this bread called Sprouted for Life, which if you like bread, you will not probably not like this one because it really is a lot of grains. It's it's mm. like made the old fashioned way. Mm, mm. Um, and you have to keep it into in the refrigerator. So even my peanut butter. I had to give away <laughs> peanut butter. Because- wow. So, like, I mean, like, at this point, 
What does it taste like? What do you eat? What do you eat? I mean, food is supposed to taste good. I mean, I understand that it's, it could be detrimental. It could hurt you and all that. But it's got to taste good, too, at least. It does. But, I mean, you know, if you have make a regular dinner, I still eat a regular dinner. I still eat rice. I still eat um, potatoes if I want to eat potatoes. I'm not mm -hmm. on a diet in that I'm trying to stay away from those things. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to stop eating sugar because it is so addictive. And I didn't realize that every day I'm, I'm, you know, I would keep sugar, I would keep candy in, in bottles here in my house. And every time I walk out of the bottle, I'd go in and grab a handful and I'm eating it. Oh, I, you was really on that candy. I'm <laughs> really on it. I counted seven times in one day, I would grab a, a handful wow. of candy and eat it. And when you think about it and you quantify it, you mm. realize there's a whole lot of stuff you're eating that you knowingly eat. And then a whole lot of stuff that you're eating that you unknowingly eat. Even I like seaweed chips. Well, I looked no. at the seaweed chips and found there was sugar in it with the ones with spice and, and you know, it's hot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, see who, who puts sugar in seaweed? America. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, Tattle said, let me ask you something, brother. Um, when are you going on this sugar diet, man? Because I know you are. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I ain't going on no sugar diet. I ain't gonna lie. You know, you, you you know what you know what I love. I love those chocolate peanut clusters. I love them. You can bribe me with that. You can bribe me with those for real. But I'm gonna tell you one thing, Dahlia. Being on you you on this uh, what's it called the sugar what now? You mean while I'm on withdrawals or yeah the sugar yeah this yeah the sugar thing. <clears throat> I think over the years I know you I know you for a very long time. I think that sugar was doing something to you. I think that's what was chasing all those men away. You probably get a man now. Probably get a man now. You're going to be married Somebody like a six months. I'm going to give you away. Walk you down the aisle. Walk you down the aisle. Walk you down the aisle. Oh, man. He is forever trying. He is forever trying. We, we have to do a whole show on why y'all does not have a man. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. I'm Unbelievable. a Taurus. I'm not the easiest person to get along with when it comes to relationships. I'm gonna buy my tux now. We'll walk you down the aisle. Walk you down the aisle. <laughs> you and my five brothers will probably be right behind me saying, you For real. Najee, for real, and everybody else. Yep. Five brothers. <laughs> That's why you got, you got five brothers. Everybody was scared of y'all. That's what it was. <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. One, <laughs> one argument, I might get slapped up. And they're all older than me, so you know they don't play. Yes. I know that's right. For real. That's right. So listen, yeah. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. We um what's been going on? Did you know we have the 50th anniversary of hip hop? <coughs> and um it's been a lot going on. A lot going on, yeah. you know, and a lot going on there in uh we were talking a little earlier. There's a lot of people being left out, and there's some, 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 you know, some things going on about that. People are feeling a certain kind of way about that. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about from the people that was the foundation, people that never made a record, people that picked up the mic in the parks, that plugged their thing into the light poles, that bought their little mother's turntables out and stole the records, the albums, and bought them out. That mm -hmm. that built the foundation for this thing, not being recognized. Not mm -hmm. being recognized in every community. I don't care who started it or whatever. There should be recognition for each and every person that played a role to get it to where it's at today. That's my feelings. And um, on Saturday, 
in my neighborhood in the Bronx, we had uh, a recognition day for those very people that never made a record that was there back in 73 and 72 and 74 on up. And they acknowledged mm-hmm. them. And I'm going to tell you something. It was important because those guys and those young ladies and those DJs felt a little more respected. And you can see yeah. the you can see the 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 pride in them swell up a little bit that they were being recognized. And that needs to happen all over the place. What's your thoughts on that? I agree. I mean, the the our guest tonight is one of the foremost pioneers for hip hop in that she brought vocals to hip hop and that had never been before. And they don't even they don't really even talk about where we went to go listen to hip hop. You know, in the parks on Saturday, in the parks after school, the rent parties that happened where a lot of these MCs came out. Um, they don't even talk about that. I mean, it, the before it even crossed over to another genre, there were rap battles that had nothing to do with picking up a weapon. And you know, the people who did these things are not recognized, and it's a shame because fifty yeah. years of of hip hop, you don't talk about the very beginning. Yeah, you talk about the Bronx, but you don't talk about those pioneers who did those things, who traveled from borough to borough to do these competitions, to do these battles, that's never even discussed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tattletail, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with D on that one. I, absolutely. You you got to, oh, man, uh, so many DJs that, uh, uh, <clears throat> what, what we call underground DJs, that were in the mix years ago that didn't get no recognition. Uh, a lot of dancers, um, like uh, Kid Freeze, you know? Uh, yeah. Last time I seen him was like maybe 1999, 2000, maybe 2003, you know? He told me they was going to do a documentary on him, you know? But Kid Freeze was one of those dancers, you know? But there's yeah. so many cats out there, you know, between the dancing, uh, between the rhyming, they used to call it back then, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. making making clothes, a whole lot, you know, like Dapper Dan, you know, hooking up, hooking up the uh, uh, everybody's jackets and shoes back in the day. Yes, you know, sir. it's so, it's so much the whole hip hop culture. A lot, but a lot of people been overlooked. Absolutely. A lot of people. I mean, you got to miss sneakers to have during that beginning hip hop. Remember when they had the Pumas out? Oh yeah, the Kango hats. Oh yeah, they had the turtlenecks mm-hmm. and the bell bottom jeans with that yeah. just. Went over the Pumas. You weren't wearing the correct one unless it could cover the Puma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't about Adidas. Run DMC started the Adidas, and now that's yeah, a trademark. It, Puma. Puma. it was Pumas. It was Pumas. Before. That's right. Well, listen, yeah. well, listen, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. No further ado. We might as well go ahead and set it off right. You just mentioned <laughs> our guest. Our guest is a pioneer. Our guest is a pioneer. We're gonna bring some information from her. I'm gonna introduce to everyone the award-winning. Songstress herself, Miss Allison Williams, is going to join us right now. Yeah, there she goes. 
Hey, Miss Williams, how you doing? How you doing? Y'all don't even understand. Yeah. If y'all saw me, if y'all saw me in the weight room going like this, it's because I was like, "Look, we losing the light. We losing the light." <laughs> that was a superstar move. Right. That was I don't know if Daya shared it with you, but I'm out here on the side of the road, yes, headed yes, to Raleigh, and I didn't want to miss my opportunity to come on with you all. I missed it last time, and I was so glad to be rescheduled. But I said the best thing I could do is pull over and just make a studio in the car. So that's what I did, you know, and I freshened. <laughs> makeup and I got my little fan so I could have the hair blowing oh, nice. oh, and nice. all of this. Nice. Uh, but the sun was going down and I can't control the sun yet. Anyway, I'm working on it. And I'm like, I'm going to be sitting on the side of the road in the gas station and I'm at a black gas station. Okay. okay. They, they, sell, they sell fireball in this gas station. <laughs> they sell fireball in every block and mile that was ever made in this gas station. So I want to finish what I got to do and hit it. No doubt. No doubt. We appreciate you. I, I'm so glad you're on here. You know, I'm but so you know, I'm, ga I'm gangster like that uh, and come from that. So I'm okay. You all right? All right, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. God got me. Can't let let yeah. him come over here. As I always say, if you see me in a fight with a bear, help the bear. <laughs> <laughs> so much, man. I'm glad you took the time to do it, and it's, and it's good to see you. I don't know if you remember me, but I remember you. Um, And, you know, you've done some things. And I just want to say this to you. I just want to say, I was listening to some things earlier from you, right? And I, you know, I do my little research and what have you, and I know your songs and what have you. But what was very, very interesting to me that I didn't know, I heard a song, a duet that you did with Jeff Red, and I never heard that song before. I never yeah. heard that song before. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I'll tell you the story, you know, Freddie Jackson and I grew up together uh, vocally and, you know, from the Bronx, him being from the Bronx, me from Harlem. And when he got on with Hush Productions, he was doing a lot of stuff and had all the stuff with Melba Moore and all of that. Shout out to Melba on her uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame yes, yes. and all of that. And of course, to Freddie. And I wanted to do this duet. So Russell went to uh, Charles and said, listen, we got this song. And we think it, and it's, it, if you listen to it now, that, now that you've listened to it, you can hear what we what we heard. It was a Freddie Jackson song. Oh. It was perfect for his style and everything. And but uh, long story short, it came out kind of like Charles thought that Russell was trying to hook me on to Freddie, and I was supposed to ride his his coattail to Sardom. But I was already the artist that I was. Right. I already had records under my belt in terms of at least my session stuff and and my and and you know the the things that I had been featured on with other artists. So we weren't trying to do that. We really just thought it'd be a good collaboration. We thought that it would be great to bring these two singers together, and we had a backstory from where we came from, and you know, and the things we had gone through. But they they wouldn't go with it, so I went and got Jeff, and of oh, course Jeff yeah. did the magic that he does. But that was a Freddie Jackson record. You know, in really? terms of okay. how he would have fit. Uh, the song's called So Special. Yeah. Um, and um, this is a really great song. Yeah, I love that. I was like, wow. And I'm, like, I'm listening to Jeff. I'm saying, okay, Jeff. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know what you could do, but I was a little surprised. Like, Go ahead, Jeff. My man singing that instead of the fan songs, he broke it down. That was good. Yeah. That was good, yeah. So um, there's some other things. Now, I looked at your Wikipedia, and I saw that you did the Phyllis Hyman play. I was like, wow. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know you got to move, so I'm kind of trying to get some real. No, no, no. Take your time. As long as you can yeah. see me, I'm fine. I got the time. Okay. I just okay. didn't want it to go. I didn't want us to not have a light, you know, because the lights in the car are what yeah. they are. But we're dealing with, with, with Mother Nature right now. <laughs> okay, okay. We didn't okay. want to leave. I went to the Weather Channel. The Weather Channel says sunsets at 838. So we got time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And I got another phone so I can always put the flashlight on. You know, I'm a better do production. We got production. We all I got you. I got you. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but at any rate, um, yeah, I, you know, and I always correct people on this, although I understand why they take it. Um, several years ago, Phyllis has been going 25 years now. Um, and um, I did a play that traveled for about two and a half years. Back in the day when we had what we call gospel plays, not, not urban theater. This right. is before Tyler and all of that. I did a show with the Whispers, the legendary Whispers, and it was called Thank God the Beat Goes On. And it was a, it was a play about their journey from Oakland, where they were from, doing talent shows and all of that, to mm -hmm. their level of, you know, the pinnacle of, of the height of their, 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 their careers. And right. it's told through the eyes of the janitor. The janitor of the Apollo, the janitor of the Regal Theater in Chicago, the, la the janitor of any any uh, of those kinds of of, of, of venues, uh, and they were they were supposedly paying homage that night to the Whispers for being in the business for forty or whatever years it was at that time. And right. so he goes back in time and takes the audience on a journey. And if anybody knows, back in the day, if you had a ticket to see. The whispers of Phyllis Hyman. You had a ticket. Mm -hmm. It was a, for grown people to put their clothes on and go out to the uh, <laughs> the Madison Square Garden or to the you know whatever the club was. That was what you were going to see, and you were happy about it. So, I've obviously in their dream sequence of this play, you would have to have included Phyllis Hyman. Uh, not only it had only been about a year to the month of her death that I was called to come and do this play. And um, right. and they asked me to come and play Phyllis. And right. so it was kind of ripped from the headlines because they included the piece um, as the play uh, went for fast forward to the present time where she took her life on the night that she was supposed to be on a show with them at the Apollo. Yes, yes, I heard my wife. Um, since that time, I put together a Phyllis Hyman tribute show called Old Friend, Allison Williams Sings Tribute to the Legendary Phyllis Hyman. Mm. And I did it because there was such a demand after that show closed and it traveled the country for about two and a half years. But people kept saying, when are you going to do the Phyllis show again? When are you going to do the Phyllis show again? And I've tried to explain it. It's not a Phyllis show. I just played her character. But I felt that her music needed to be um, paid mm. tribute to. And um, it's legendary. It's her legacy. And she was my friend. And uh, because of the closeness of our, our, our friendship and my closest to the situation, uh, many people don't know, but on the night that she died, they called me to come and replace her really? at the Apollo. But wow. I was out of town I, and they wouldn't wow. give me any information. I didn't know what had happened until I got to my oh, destination. Really? Wow. I was, flying wow. so that's a whole situation it was the weeks leading up to it and the weeks after it and i have that story because i lived it but um so yes old friend i've been doing it over the last 20 some odd years in different incarnations i've done it with a full band i've done it with as just a duet with myself and a pianist over COVID. i've done it with dancers so that we could speak into the broadway stuff that she did and so now we're bringing it back and we're using it as a tool to work within um mental health and mental wellness. That's what we want to mm. put it now because there's nobody, no, mm. one else who, no one else who could tell a story better mm. than 
someone who was a victim, quote unquote, and Phyllis Hyman was a diagnosed schizophrenic, well, not schizophrenic, I'll say this, bipolar, and she had some other issues. And it was mm. it, it's essentially that that took her. I see, that's important. And that's so really when you're important. trying yeah. to open up the conversation and the narrative and show people mental illness doesn't see you're six foot one. They don't see that you're gorgeous and you're shiny and you're this wonderful vocalist and you have legacy music. It doesn't see all that. It just takes you. Right. If you don't get the correct help, you yeah, suffer they, in silence and you suffer senselessly and you slip right. through the cracks. So now right. I'm trying to partner with people to help bring this show, not only as an entertainment piece, but as an educational and informational piece. Super important. I, I, I applaud super important. That's right. Well, trust me, I know personally what you're talking about. I know I know about that. Trust me. Yeah. You know, and I saw the um, I saw the piece you did with Nat Adelie Jr. on the piano. That was when we did it over the holidays. We did. I'm not over the holiday. God, over the COVID. Yeah, it we, was a holiday you know, for someone some called us, and uh, yeah. someone called us and wanted they needed some content, and we thought that was the perfect piece. We couldn't go anywhere, so we did yeah. one version at his home, and then we did another version. We were lucky enough to be able to get into the jazz club Birdland. And we went downstairs to their theater and we were able to do it in more of a black box setting. But it was just he and I and yes. the narrative of the show and the music. And it came off wonderfully. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was really good. I like that. Um, OK, well, I've, I've asked a lot of questions. Y'all jump in there. I mean, I can dominate. I, I can go on and on. But go ahead. Do your thing. Now you I, you know, I, of course work with Allison and I just adore her. And before we even worked together, what was funny was before we even worked together, and this is before COVID, I don't know if you remember Allison, but you did a challenge for people to come on and sing Just Call My Name. And <laughs> I went on there because you know, <laughs> why not? Would you believe she didn't see that until a whole year later? Really? Was it wow. a year later or two years wow. later she called me? She goes, you did that challenge? You did that challenge. I said, yeah. <laughs> well, Dalia, I would have seen it if I hadn't been had my little uh, health setback. But I was busy being in a coma. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And you know what? Thank God. Thank God that he blessed you. To, to tell us, tell us about what you went through with yeah, COVID. Yeah. Because you have yeah. a story to tell. And you have a triumph coming through it. Yeah. The, the, I, I was put to the test and came out with a testimony. And when I say it now, even though we, uh, you know, um, I was lucky enough to come through in 2022, every time I say it now, I just, it never feels like I, you know, I thought there would come a place where I'd be like, oh, don't talk about it anymore. It's over. And you thanked everyone and everyone came through for you. And you're lucky enough that God spared you. But the more I talk about it, and the more I know what's really going on in this world and in this nation and around the world mm -hmm. with COVID and, and just <clears throat> so many things that have to do with health. You know, I, I, I have to tell it and I have to tell it because hopefully it'll be an inspiration for someone else uh, to just be diligent and, and keep your eyes open and, and to value our, our health and ourselves. Uh, 2020, I moved from New York down to North Carolina. And everything was fine. We were in quarantine. I was okay. And everything was cool. Just around Christmas time of 2021, I, I had my shot and everything. I decided to do that. And I went to New York for a pro couple of private in private parties. And I got sick. And I came back, um, came back home and I knew I was sick. I knew something was wrong and it wasn't right. It wasn't just like you got a cold. So I took myself to get a test. And before that test result could come back, I was 
begging for someone to please come and take me to the doctor and not drive me to the doctor, but put me on an ambulance, please. I'm, mm. I'm sick. And I'm glad I did it uh, like that because that way I didn't get stuck in, in triage sitting on a, you know, passed out on a chair. Yeah. Um, anyway, the doctors basically said, listen, the COVID, we can get her through because she's had an inoculation, but I am a type two diabetes, shout out to my type two diabetes. And you can fall into something when your diabetes is not checked called ketoacidosis and it is life threatening. And they said this ketoacidosis will take her if we don't take some major steps. At any rate, they tried to put me on a pap machine and, you know, tried to get me back and it wasn't happening. And I went into a coma and I stayed in a coma from December 27th until January 1st. And I know it wow. sounds cliche, like, like something you write, but someone called my angel, one of my angels on earth is a woman named Valerie Simpson. I'm sure we all know her from Ashford yeah. Simpson. Yeah. And she was one of the people who, you know, she's a part of my life and she was able to call the COVID ICU and talk to the head nurse. And she told her, because <clears throat> at one point they weren't able to rally me out of the coma and they thought they were like, it's looking bad. She's been on a ventilator now for six days and we can't fix. We're not sure if we can get her to rally. I wasn't rallying. Valerie called the nurse and said, I want you to play her music in her ear. The nurse had no idea who I was. She did none of the people on the, those frontline workers. When I tell you they were in saving lives, those people were working their shift, going home, taking off their clothes at the door, taking a shower, eating, going home, kissing their kids and going to bed and coming back the next day. They didn't have, you could have said Madonna. They would, they were like, Okay, great. But right now we need her IV. You know what I'm saying? They weren't right. in it like right. that. You could tell yeah. they just, yeah. they were so focused on every patient there. And um, long story short, the nurse downloaded the music and finally came and said, Miss Williams, do you know who this is? <laughs> do you know who this is singing this, this, this song? And I opened my eyes basically and nodded. But the funniest experience was people always say when people are in a comatose state, they, some people, different with everybody they can hear you and they are aware of everything that's going on i was clearly aware what that woman was saying and in my awake state inside my head inside my visual i said to her of course i know who it is it's me i'm allison williams damn it did you call anybody and tell them i'm in here i gotta get back to my house i right, did this right. whole thing and i pointed to myself and pointed to the phone basically all i probably did was wiggle my thumb but I know I opened my eyes right, and I came right. back that day. And uh, so I was clearly aware of what was going on. And, um, you know, everybody teases me now. So I guess that was the right thing to do. Cause if you hear your song, you figure you're going to get a check. So you need to come back. <laughs> you need to get Oh, I got so ribbed when I finally got home and went through my rehabilitation. They're like, girl, I knew when they played that music, you'd say, oh, swear my shoes. It's time to go on stage. Beautiful, man. Thank God. Thank God. Wow. Thank nobody but God for all of that. And, uh, and the industry that rallied uh, not only across the nation, but around the world with prayers and well wishes and, you know, just holding me down and, 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 uh, and, um, that's how that went. And then I took three months to do my rehabilitation and come back and learn how to do everything that we take for granted, like walking and talking and speaking and going like this and sucking your teeth and rolling your eyes. It, 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 it's a message center and all of those messages have to be sent in a certain way or else you are not. You are crooked. Mm. And we think we do. We think we put food in our mouth and we swallow and it goes straight back to our throats. Nope. I had to learn how to swallow. I had to learn how to do so many of the things. You can't imagine wow. this whole wow. thing that God has created, this thing we call the human body. It, it's really incredible. It's really detailed. 
and you really got to take care of it. So um, I was glad to be able to, 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 to come back. And the first person on the phone was Najib. And he says to me, um, you know, this song that you did with me on my new CD, because, of course, it was done in COVID and it couldn't be released. Finally, here's 222. It's released. He said, I want you to come on the road with me and do some of these dates. I want people to see that you're alive and well and singing. And the song is taking off and taking on a life of its own. And so for the last two years, I've been doing dates with Najee. And uh, it, it, it just was a, a blessing to come out of that, not just out of COVID, but then to come out of the illness and have some place to land. Wow. You know, to have some place not only to do great music, but to be in front of uh, full houses and world class audiences. And, you know, it's just it's just blessing after blessing after blessing. And if you think God is not in the blessing business, you got to, you know, turn around and pay attention. No doubt. Because no he is. Because he is. No and just to let you all know, another reason I want to get out of the neighborhood, because I got my girl with me. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> Uh oh, we want an Emmy, y'all. Uh -oh. And I wanted to have her on the interview, but I didn't think I'd be sitting in the gas station with her. So, hi, Emmy. Now, go back down there. <laughs> That's beautiful. I want Pookie and them to see me and try to come over here and meet her in person. Keep the gas running. Keep the gas running. You know what I'm saying? You don't got my foot on the pedal. Yeah, no doubt. So, so, so. I'm leaning hard. What'd you get the Emmy for? Tell us about that. I uh, worked with a fella by the name of Skip Martin. Now, Skip Martin is the lead singer for the Dad's Band. I know your listeners and your viewers mm -hmm. will know. Um, mm -hmm. Dad's, Dad's, get called Dad's, Dad's, right, Dad's, right. and uh, let it whip. So let it whip. You know, when we had bands, remember, we had right, Cameo right. and Earth, Wind, and Fire. We had bands back then. So yeah. the Dad's Band was a very well-known band. And during COVID, and I'm talking about quarantine COVID, when we could go outside, Skip calls and says, Allison, we need to take and put some music in the world that is about hope and about change and, and try to show some love and peace. He said, I have this idea. So he took this uh, classic song by Curtis Mayfield called People Get Ready, There's a Change You're Coming. Yeah. And he made a really nice updated version of it. And then he started calling all his friends. And he called me and he called the group As Yet. He called Tony Terry. He called CC Penniston. He called John P. Key. He called some rock and roll guys that he knew out there in Vegas. He called some country singing guys. He called Dougie Fresh. He called Stevie Wonder. He called all of us. And we all made a version of it. Some of us were in the living room. Some of us were in the studio. Some of us were outside, wherever we could go, because we couldn't go anywhere mm -hmm. to really record. And then we all did a video of us, you know, singing the song down and they took it and they patched it together and produced it. Wow, and wow. then they partnered with St. Jude. So they call it Legends mm. United for St. Jude. And I guess St. Jude must have used it for a promotional piece because the Emmy is uh, celebrates excellence in television and commercial. Beautiful. And so we were nominated for an Emmy and we won. Nice, yeah. nice, And so that's the beginning nice. of my EGOT. I got my Emmy now, I need my Grammy, my Oscar, and my Tony. There you go. There you go. Put it out. That's it. And then I'm going to lay down in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard and get that star, too, because I know how much it costs now. So I'm We're going for big things, y'all. We're going big or we're going home. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Never say never. It's never over until it's over. It ain't going to be It's over. never over. That's and right. it ain't even over then. That's right. You don't know where where it goes from there. It's good. It gets better. It gets hey, better. Hey, listen, from what I've been told. Mm -hmm. From what right. I've been told. That's all right. So let, let me ask you this now. When you um after your recovery, 
what was the first show that you did and how did you feel? How was your voice? How did you feel, you know, with your energy and your health? How was that for you? You know what? Of all the things that I had to overcome, I realized that my speech was different. But when I sang, it was fine. Um, I had a time when I could, everything came back. But when I would say water, I'd say water. When I said better, I said better. And my D's and my T's were muddled. And I and I and I I didn't try to hide it. I just knew it's gonna come back. Not at one time did I ever question if I would sing again. Okay. The first time I sang in my living room or walking through the house, my volume was low. I didn't sing for a long time. I knew my stamina and my wind wasn't there, but I never questioned if the the song was if the if the gift was there. It just you know something in my heart just kept saying, just keep doing what the physical therapist said, and it'll be fine. So when people say, how are you? I wouldn't say I'm getting better because I knew better didn't sound better. It sounded like better. I'd say <laughs> I'm making marked improvement every day. You know, I just, I just, I found ways to get around whatever I needed. And I remember one day the physical therapist said, I want you to say the word buttercup. And mm. I would say, well, I can say buttercup. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I have a radio show. I know how to enunciate. I went to school for communication. So, but people don't speak like that. You don't say, hello, uh, let's talk about the, buttercup you say butter you know what i'm saying you speak yeah. a certain way right and right. she said well just say buttercup because it's going to give you everything you need from the tip of your tongue to the back of your palate to strengthen that again and i said you don't understand i'm so frustrated she said well miss williams it's going to be frustrating i said no you don't understand i can't say buttercup but i can go sweet and the lady's eyebrows literally went up into her hairline she said wait a minute what are you doing i said i said i'm scatting i said ma'am i'm a singer this is what i do for a living and certain things just have not left me but it's crap when i'm trying to say buttercup but i can scat i'm i'm, I'm frustrated here. she said miss williams i'm coming back every day she said even when your insurance don't pay me i'm coming because i got to get you back to where you need to be mm -hmm. she said no one's ever done that to me before wow. <laughs> so <laughs> so you know I, I kept you know practicing and practices and, and one day it came back and i went to say water for some reason i remember i was in the house by myself i don't know why i was talking to myself it's something i do and i said water and water came out like water not water and i started running around and water 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 water, water. <laughs> that little piece of my my speech had come back my first time on a real sound system in front of a live real audience was with najee um, um i had gone to the burks uh, Burke's Jazz Festival for a meeting. I wasn't performing there, but he was there. And he said, well, Alton, why don't you come on the stage and do a little something with me and my band and just, you know, just come since you're going to be here. So I said, okay. And it wasn't until I got to the show that I realized you're getting ready to sing on a world-class system mm. for the first time. And you don't know what's going to come out of your throat. Wow. But when I opened my mouth, God was right there. Yeah. <clears throat> And that audience got to witness my very first performance since, you know, in, in, more, in more than four months after the, uh, after the what do you call it. So, you know, it, it went back. I went back to life with him, with Najee. Nice, nice. Now, I yeah. went let me back ask, to life with Najee. Let me ask you this, uh, Allison. Hold let's, on. Let's, Somebody's trying to call me. I wish they wouldn't. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. That's all right. That's all right. That's you get a lot of calls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Let's go, let's go all the way back because I'd like to ask this question. When did you know in, in your life that this is something that you wanted to do? When did you know, number one, that you were good enough? When did it, I know it hit you early on in your life, but can you kind of like take us through the beginning to how this all started for you? Um, 
My father was a jazz trumpet player. He had a 21-piece swing band. His name was Bobby Booker. And for about 25 or 30 years, his band was the premier society band for New York, the tri-state area, and beyond. And he had a band full of musicians that had were the pioneers of jazz. And they all played with Count Basie and Duke Ellington and all of these different, you know, they, they were those cats. But when they came home, they had their chair in my dad's band. So we had great people like Dickie Wells and, and Howard Johnson and names a lot of people wouldn't know. But if they Google them, they'll find them because right. uh, they, they, they laid it down. My father's friends were Clark Cherry and Dizzy Gillespie and, and the, you know, horn guys, obviously, Louis Armstrong, all of that kind of stuff. And just really, you know, great, 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 great musicians, uh, Quincy mm -hmm. Jones. And, you know, they, they were the cats that hung out together. Mm -hmm. So music was always there, but music was... Um, when you said, when did I know I was good enough? I don't know if I'm good enough sometime as of last week. And that is because I always am striving to be better. Okay. But um, it, I, I was bullied a lot as a kid. Um, I lived in Harlem um, on 111th Street. And my parents chose to send me to Catholic school. And that made me different. It made me a target. And so same thing with the singing. I came from, um, everybody else was in church, listening to gospel music or, you know, had a, a, a this soul R&B thing going on at home. And I had jazz. So when I opened my mouth, everybody would turn around and look and go, you know, but, and, and you're afraid when you, when you're different, you know, when you, when you're different. So, but I knew that I wanted to sing and I knew I wanted to sing jazz because that's what I knew. And that's what I love. But I wanted to know what gospel was. I want to know how come some of my friends had this, Ooh, in their throat, you know, they could do that. They could riff. I could riff. Mm -hmm. You know, I was learning to scat, but you know, you want to be cool when you're a kid, and right. I wasn't cool. I wasn't cool. I was, a, I was, the, uh, I was the equivalent of a geek, but it was music, right? Uh, but nonetheless, I, I, I think more than ever, knowing if I was good enough, I knew I had, I knew I was bold enough to try. Okay. Nobody could stop me from trying because I, at one point, I said, "Suppose this don't work out. Suppose I, I was off watching the Ed Sullivan show. I saw the Jackson Five. I knew." But suppose, mm -hmm. you know, what are you going to do? Well, you can't be a gymnast because you keep growing and they don't have no tall gymnasts. Um, you can't, you know, you don't want to go to school for medicine. My mother was a nurse, but I wasn't academically inclined like that. And so I just had to figure out what are you going to do? I'm not going to ice skate and be an ice skater because I want to do all of these these things, these <laughs> creative things. But I'm a little black girl. I don't like coal, so why do you want to be the ice? So stop that dream. And then I said, if I can dance, if I can dance, it can get me off this block where people beat me up every day. Wow. And maybe wow. we'll move to the village where you don't have to have super pro kids and you can just wear, you know, pumpkin yeah. seeds and you'll still be okay. Because I saw right. the people in the village and one nobody worried about. Right. So I had wow. all of these things that I was staying in my bedroom holding these dreams, but I knew I wanted to be an entertainment. That was the thing. I knew I wanted to be entertainment. And then my mother put, they put me in the little different talent shows and, and pageants, you know, where you sell the raffles and the people yeah, in the yeah. beauty shop, they support <laughs> you and they put their name in the book on the whole page. We went through all of that. And, um, and my father would let me, you know, be the book girl with the band, which meant I was the girl that set the books on the stands in front of all the musicians. So all the music, I was I was always there with him with that. Mm -hmm. When other people went down south, I went to the Newport Jazz Festival. 
I was just in that world. So I knew eventually I'd be able to open my mouth to somebody who wouldn't laugh at me or, or make me feel crazy. And eventually it happened. Um, I guess right around the time I was 16, I was in Hal Jackson Town 15. And I had already been singing with my dad's band, but he didn't know to what extent. You know, he uh. was... He knew I was dancing. I had a scholarship for Dance Theater of Harlem. I was well on my way with that. But he didn't know that I could sing. And he came and saw me sing. And he got some change and went to the, to the, to directly to the telephone booth. At that time, there was a booth and a telephone in it. And he <laughs> called his arranger and said, man, I need to get some arrangement done for my daughter. I didn't know she could sing like that. Oh, it was so funny. So that was around 1977. Um, and then, and then, right around that time, I discovered, you know, I want to, I want to not only sing jazz, but I want to know what this R and B thing is, because I know who Shaka uh, Khan is, and I know, you know, Patti LaBelle. I want, I want to find where's that big voice? Where's that? Right, right. Where, how do you, how do you reach those notes? How do you soar like that? So mm. I started working with with local bands, you know, like you know, guys my age, you know, guys and girls my age. So it was a, it was that thing. That the, you know, we started working at all the chitlin spots in 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 Harlem. There was plenty of clubs back then, mm -hmm. and you could work around. And people had a gig for the whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It was, you know, and mm -hmm. once you did those, then you wanted to go downtown. You wanted to be a Sweetwater. You wanted to be in the village. So it was right, all right. these different things. And then I was auditioning for the plays, and I was doing plays, and then I was still dancing and all of that. So it was this thing where I want to be in show business, whatever that is: sing, dance, act tell a few jokes, juggle some oranges, whatever it was. <laughs> that was my thing. And name. eventually I got to do all of that. Nice. So tell yes. us what you have. Tell it, well, I know what you have, but you tell us what you have coming up next. Well, um, what am I doing? Um, I've got really, a really big gig I'm, I'm excited about um, in Baltimore at a place called Keystone Corner which is the premier jazz club there. And I'm going to be working with Nathan Mitchell. And Nathan Mitchell has the number one song on the jazz billboard charts, 100% Cotton. He held that for, I don't, I think he's probably still there, but he's an incredible artist. Uh, and I like to say that we are management mates because uh, he is an artist with Dahlia as well. And so we're, right. we're excited about that. That's going to be on September 29th. Um, and there are two shows at 7 and 9.30. Okay. And I could be lying. It could be 7.30 and 9. But if you go to KeystoneCorny.com, they'll tell you all about it. And that's right. one of the things I've got coming up. But, you know, so many things come and it's amazing if you work in this industry, how things come. People only see the the, the shiny part, the end the end. Pr mm -hmm. production but you know one day somebody's calling you for a play and the next day somebody's calling you for a festival and then that might happen and then it might not and then you have to zig and zag but i can i want to go back to something you all were talking about as well um uh, about the 50 50th anniversary yeah. of hip-hop yes rap mm -hmm. is the genre that gave birth to hip-hop before we had the word hip hop in our vernacular, there was rap. That's and as right. Dahlia said earlier, it's before it became about just objectifying and pulling out a gun and glorifying, you know, um, not necessarily just street life, because all street life ain't the street life ain't the worst life. I'm just talking about the parts of it that end in violence and, and brutality amongst ourselves. And I talk about what the cops are, I'm talking about what we do to ourselves in our own communities and how we uh you know, degradate ourselves, but I have sung on some of the seminal records that were a part of hip hop. 
Um, I was a hook girl for Curtis Blow. People don't know what a hook girl is. It's the girl who sings the hooks. And I sang on songs like AJ Scratch. Mm. AJ. Yeah. AJ. Yeah, yeah. I sang on You Gotta Believe and Do the Right Thing. And games people play. And mm. games females play. And fat boys. And fat boys are back. And I sang. Right. I, right. I love all the girls. <laughs> Ten years before Lauren Hill put it out, I rule the world. And of course, they're playing basketball. Yeah, oh, yeah. Love that basketball. <laughs> so that's just a few of right. my ahead, my Alice. rap discography. <laughs> so when you talk about not being recognized in the industry, yes. the DJs, the dancers, the, mm -hmm. uh, the the graffiti artists, the, the the I remember we used to leave the club and go to Dapper Dance and sit down in the basement and watch him <laughs> stitch Louis Vuitton together. You know right. what I'm saying? So you know I was there for that, and um, a lot of times. Times um, I can remember one particular personal situation. They were celebrating the 40th, 30th, whatever. Um, they was, you know, the uh, year of Def Jam's uh, inception, and it was being held at Barclays and da 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 da. -da. And I called and I said to Russell, I said, Russell, what's going on? You know, I want to go. He says, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be going. You know, I'm not. I don't really. I'm not really on that side of it anymore. I said, I don't care. They can't do Def Jam celebration without you. Your, right. or your, you know, without yeah, letting right. you know about it. So when they call you and tell you or ask you if you come and how many tickets you need, what you need to do is tell them, I need this, I need y'all to sit to get set aside 50 seats because I want to, I want to bring in those artists that people forget or didn't know were Def Jam artists or that helped to lay the cornerstones for Def Jam. I saw Leor there. I saw Rick Rubin there. I saw a lot of other white faces and people who came in after we had already opened the door. Wow. Well, before okay. we had a door, I was there before we had an office. There you go. Talk about it. That's right. So I'm you just saying, they, they, they will do a laundry list for the dead, the dearly departed. Y'all couldn't have put up a, 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 a list of names of the folks who couldn't be here for whatever reason. You you could, you didn't, you, you didn't, how do you not celebrate the people who helped put you on? That's right. And it was lots of us. I said, all you have to do was say, I need 50 tickets. That meant 25 of us. Uh, two, two sets of 25 could have went. And when they said, oh, we want to say something to the artists that you might not even know, or, my, or you know, for Def Jam artists, and they could have panned the camera, and they could have panned back and went to commercial. And you wouldn't even do that. Right. Wow. Wow. I let them have it. But, know you know, you the thing sure. is this. Just because I wasn't at the at the Barclay doesn't mean I wasn't there. Doesn't mean what I know didn't happen. So it is a wait for the book. I'm not throwing anybody on the bus. I'm just saying right is right. And that is why someone great like uh, 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 Barry Gordy, every time Barry Gordy gets, gets to go somewhere where it's going to be a camera or a big light, he dusts off Smokey Robinson and Martha Reeves and says, come on. Yep. And Diana Ross. And there they are sitting right there. The That's people right. that help him become who he is. That's right. right. You can't that, tell right. the Motown story without those people. So why do you tell the Def Jam story and act like it started with LL and ended with Jay-Z? It didn't happen like that. It didn't That's happen. Right. That's right. You better believe that. That's right. That's right. That's amazing. That's right. That's amazing. That story yeah. needs to be told. So many, so many people. So many, you're absolutely yeah, correct. So many. I, uh, listen, I'm I'm not angry. I'm not disgruntled. I just like the truth. I just like that. You know, if I had had, if I had not gotten my my opportunity to be with Def Jam, I was a jazz singer that went to a rap label and got an R&B contract. I'm happy to be called the first lady of Def Jam, but I like the truth. Right. And the truth 
you know, is, is I represent a truth for so many other artists that I feel is my pl my place to speak on it because they yeah. don't have a voice. Right. 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 You know, maybe they didn't continue or maybe they didn't get a chance to go to where they were trying to go. Maybe they made that effort and they said, ah, I got my kids. I need to go ahead and do this. So that means now they don't have a dog in the fight or a nickel in the dime. But I do. Right. Yeah. But yep. I do. So that story needs to be told. And, yeah. and this is from a place where, you know, music, there was a time when rap music had musicality. Yes. You yes. know what I'm saying? And that's all back with Sugar Hill and all of that. There were singers. Angie Stone and all of them were hang, holding it down. All of that. There were singers. And I was bringing in the Lisa Fishers, the, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the uh, 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 what's her name? Jocelyn Browns. Um, um, all, you know, all of my singer friends, they had deals or, you know, were you know, doing it to a certain level. Audrey Wheeler, all of those girls, they, they, that's who was, I was calling in on these sessions. So we, we mm. weren't just picking. And the reason they called us was because the rappers would come in with their girlfriends from around the way and they had told them they was going to make them a star and they couldn't really carry a tune in a bag. Right, so then right. when they started getting me and my people, they realized, oh no, we can make the record happen and save money because they would spend hours trying to make these girls sing. They was never going to sing. Right, they were going right. to order Chinese food. They were going to roll a joint. They were going to do a lot of things. But they weren't going to sing. But then it became, let's call Allison, because when she gets in here with her crew, they're going to look at the music or look at the, you know, listen to the song, and boom, in an hour and a half, we out. We can maybe do two or three songs tonight. <laughs> so it became like that. Exactly. I think Fonda Ray, who else? Oh, man, we had, it was just amazing. It was just amazing to be able to not only have you know, uh, consistent work like that because rap was moving so quickly and, and having such an impact, but to be, get, be able to give somebody else a job too. Right. Support, support. And you know, you know, they have this uh, hip hop museum that they're now getting ready to open up. Your name better be in there. Your I didn't hear the first thing you said. They have a hip hop uh, what? The hip hop museum that they're opening up now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know that. Uh, Rocky was telling me about it. I'm in touch with Curtis, and I know that they've had their, you know, ups and downs trying to get it established. I hope that um, that I am. I also have a, a a museum piece that I want to donate to them. I have that red and white hat from the Just Call My Name video. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, you know, I don't know if they want it over at the Smithsonian, but I bet you they'll take it over there at the hip hop museum. At least they should. So let's see if they do. <laughs> no, no, they should because that, if, if not, they should be campaigned for that. Because here again, here again, people that laid the foundation. Mm -hmm. You know, laid the foundation. Curtis is, is is phenomenal. I mean, come on, he's he's there forever. And then you had all the cats that was with with, with Sugar Hill and all. Of, but you had people before that that never made a record. What about them too? Right. Now they did this big show. Um, they did a big show about three nights ago at Yankee Stadium. Yes. Yes. I didn't get to see Curtis, but I told I was told he was on. I got to see Melly Mel and those yeah. cats yeah. and what have you. But you know, you got you can't just you can't first of all you can't tell the truth. You can't speak the truth without you know getting the root. You know what I'm saying? You gotta have the root and the fruit, you know? There you go. So you know, and, it, and like I said, it always seems to be the ones that are the biggest ones in the name or in the game or right now who are, you know, uh, uh, who are walking the red carpets. But those people wouldn't have had an opportunity to walk that walk if it hadn't been for the other folks. That, that's the point. That is right. the point. You know, you can't be all yeah. the usual suspects. You got to you yeah. got to tell the story, because um, if you don't, you're going to lose what you think is so ensconced. Right. 
Indeed. I think they only start with the commercialized part and they forget mm -hmm. that before you become commercialized, you are in the neighborhoods making marks, mm -hmm. making waves. And, and, you know, even with when you ask me, who is not a hip hop person who doesn't really listen to rap, I can still remember back when I was a kid in, in um, going to parochial school. I went to a Lutheran school and mm -hmm. coming home and putting on Sugar Hill or, or trying to listen to my brother's <laughs> music or just trying to, you know, here I am, what, seven, eight years old, trying to listen to this music that I didn't normally heard in my household because we listened to Caribbean and we listened to jazz. But here you have this new kind of music that reached to a generation of children that they don't talk about. Yeah, you hear the word, the culture, the culture. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it not only changed the music game, but it created a culture uh, and a culture that then integrated into the mainstream of what black R&B, soul, jazz, and all those other musics that are American musics that we created as black exactly. people. Mm -hmm. But if exactly. you don't make it inclusive and not just exclusive, if you leave people out, you're not doing the culture a damn bit of good. One of the things that's important, I was telling a friend of mine yesterday, one thing that I can't say about rap, because when I was coming through, I was in, I would tell you, but I was in high school when, when rap started. So I was, I was already 17, 18, whatever, right? And one thing I can't say that I do respect about it is that they cannot say that they had a hand in it. Because they was, we were doing this in our neighborhoods before they even knew what it was. Absolutely. We were doing this. Yeah. They can't say we played a part. We, we, we implemented this. We added that. You added nothing. This is a, nothing. A, a genre that spawned from our communities, from yeah. our black neighborhoods, our Latino mm -hmm. neighborhoods, mm -hmm. straight up and down. They came later on after it went to where it went to. After, it started, mm -hmm. after they started, because they said it wasn't going to work. They said, oh, this is going to go away. But when they saw oh, that, no, it they wasn't thought going it was away. Just, they, thought, yeah. they thought it was just a fad. But right. after, like in every music, when we had we had gospel music and we had the blues, here came non-black artists coming with quartet music and, 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 and emulating blues. When we had jazz, here came Benny Goodman. When we had uh, 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 R&B, then they came with the rock and rollers and what have you. Yeah. So we've done a yeah. part in every music yeah. since there was a beat. And the yeah. first beat was a heartbeat, and the next beat was a beat ah. on the skin of that drum. Come on. Come okay? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can tell you about it now. Mm -hmm. I can mm -hmm. tell you about it. And that beat on that drum, went around the world like 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 Dahlia says not just Afrobeat, Cuban beat, Caribbean beat, Jamaica, yeah. it, it, you know, we, we were everywhere with our foot right. and our hand in it. That's right. And but but when it came to rap, we was the only ones doing it. And That's then right. what happened? Eminem. Right. You know, yeah. so they yeah. came, yeah. they came like that too. Yeah. They came like that too. But we 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 burnt that. I remember Russell used to say this all the time. I got I'm gonna put together this label. It's gonna be the dopest, deafest underground label for underground artists ever. And blah 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 blah. And I'm gonna have this and the other. I gotta do it soon because Joey is beating up my mother's pots and pans and messing up the arm of the couch. So Joey, <laughs> Reverend Rum was at the house making beats That's on right. the pots and pans and That's tearing right. up the sofa. Beating right. on the sofa. So you know, like you said, we were coming up with this in our neighborhoods, in our basements, in our homes, at the community right. center, on the corner, on the stoop, in the in the in the, uh, in the stairwell. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And it was and it was and it was a it wasn't it wasn't planned secret, but it was a secret. They they wasn't doing that until it came to the mainstream. And then of course Vanilla Ice tried to get in and all these other people, but it was it was already <laughs> done. The blueprint was when, set. The blueprint was set. When, um, uh, Run DMC crossed over and did it with Walk This Way. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden now it is becoming acceptable to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. There was I- the commercialization of our music. And I'm not saying that being commercialized is not a bad thing because it, it made a lot of people, a lot of black people, all of a sudden have the ability to make money from the things that we did. I think that that is a fantastic thing. But in the, in the journey of it transferring over, just like every other music, like you said, it, it went through a process of it had to become commercialized or acceptable to people. Um, and we know who people are. Um, but it becomes different. It never remains mm-hmm. the same. You know, hip rap now is hip hop, is now mm-hmm. going into all kinds of other genres of music. When jazz started back in New Orleans and, and, and all of that, now it's smooth jazz. So it ends up becoming palatable <laughs> to other There's people. always going to be an incarnation with jazz, we went from swing to bop, like you said, to smooth and all of that. The same thing with rap now, or, or, or hip hop. You know, we had uh, rap and hip hop, then it went to trap. Then it's, you know, there's a whole Miami thing that happens, you know, in the, in the dirty South has its own thing. And the LA set has their own thing. So it's always evolving and always reinventing itself. But what we have to realize, the roots started with us, and we are the ones that have to have the courage to, have um <clears throat> have a coverage to be careful of what we put out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, be careful yes. of what we put out there. Yes. I think everybody's story deserves to be told and everybody's story is not a lollipop and a rainbow, but when it has to do with what's going to happen for our future, mm-hmm. we got to be careful what we put out there because it can come back to bite us in the butt. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. When rap started, Folks would, yeah. if they had a beef, they had a beef, but they eventually put the beef out because they were beefing on mixtapes. They put the beef out, and if they had something to really do, they wouldn't, they danced it out. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but they really did. They, had a, hey. they went somewhere and they, they put a piece of cardboard down and made it happen. That's right. That's right. That's what we would do. That's right. That's how deep it was. Big difference, you know, big difference now. These kids don't get it. And it started out, it started out, it wasn't all of this violence. You know, it wasn't all about let's kill somebody. Now they got the drill, the drill rap. And I was talking about that earlier. That drill rap is, is basically violence. It's just violence. I don't know what a drill rap is. It's, I was it's, just it's, about to ask that. If you have a drill rap is if you ever go to YouTube and you, and you just type in drill rap, what they're doing is to young kids. They're like from 13 on up. They got the guns, the money, and they talk about how they're gonna kill the next guy and how they shot this person. They even acting like they uh, are confessing to certain crimes that go on. Okay, it, I was about to ask insane. you if it had something to do with that. I was gonna ask yeah. you because I know Crazy. a lot of these rappers and even these wannabe rappers and all of that. And because YouTube and and the internet is so accessible to everybody, you can go ahead and you know make your own record and you can do do a lot of stuff. And I know that there've been people out there talk about what they did last weekend. And it's exactly. like, are you? It's crazy. That's crazy. It's so that's crazy. that's that's the evolution of gangster rap, basically. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's taken to a whole nother level too. It's crazy. They they showing guns, real guns. 
Yeah. And they wonder why they go into jail, and they wonder why. And the, and the cops are monitoring this. This is part of of, of criminal uh, the 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 crime. The cops will now just go to your social media page and they find out what you're doing. You're telling yeah. on yep. yourself. You talking about dry snitching? You're snitching on yourself. You're snitching, snitching on, on yourself. other people. Yeah. <laughs> and you know? I don't think it's people crazy. realize that, that through YouTube they can track where you live, where you of course do it, and it's not anonymous as much as you might think it it is. It is not. Um, no. And there's, and there's a, a cross section of these kids because they it's been so glorified to them and it's been so, you know, uh, bigged up to them. Some of them aren't really doing half of what they talk about. Exactly. So really, they're just doing it. They're trying to get some cred. They're trying right. to make themselves look bigger than they are. They're not even doing what they said. So now, now what? Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to be get caught up in the wrong. Yeah. Thing. Somebody going to try. They get caught up in it. Somebody going to try them, too. What they try to do is get numbers. They're trying to get views and get in. That's all they're trying to do. And they think that's where it stops. But somebody's going to take them seriously, and they're going to try them. And a lot of that has happened. You see these kids getting killed at a young age. It's ridiculous. You know, it's it's really ridiculous. It's just just a bad message, period. And then what I don't like, I'm going to go here real quick. I don't like calling people out of their names. Our women do. What is that, man? What is that? What is that? You call them bees and 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 this and that, you know, and and this n word. I'm just, uh, I'll go a whole another two hours on that. I, I'm not with none of that. I don't agree with that. I don't care to talk like that. My friends don't talk to me like that. I don't use the word, you know. I just don't like it because I know what it means to me and my generation. This thing about it really doesn't mean anything. We we've taken the sting away from it. Well, that's not what I heard because okay. when somebody said it to me, when somebody says it to me, I feel the same way I did. 20 years ago. So ain't nothing changed for me. And, and I think if they really took the, to, you know, with all the freedoms that they have, the younger generation, they can walk where they want to walk. They can, you know, walk on the red carpet with a henny. They can do all of these big things. You know what I'm saying? They can make money. They can capitalize on that. They can become entrepreneurs. Somebody swung in a tree by their neck for you to have that. Right. And that never that. goes away. Yes. That yes. price yes. never goes away. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. That yes. price That's never true. goes away. If you believe in your heart, I don't care what you worship or what your, your, your doctrine is, that Jesus hung on a, tr- on, on, on a cross for you, that don't never go away. Right, right. Oh, right. it was real nice to pay for my sins, but now I'm going to just do it the way I feel. So we've got to have something like Dr. Andrew would always tell me, and she was my mentor, and she said, you've got to have the courage, baby. And no, it looks like it's happening for everybody if they do it this way, but try doing it another way. You might still come out on top because if you continue to do it this way, you're only bringing yourself down. The people that own the contracts of your biggest stars, and I know that people own contracts because you didn't do it by yourself. That's right. The minute somebody saw you doing good, they came and said, hey, we'd like to be in business with you. So they jump in bed with you and they get you a contract, and they get you a big advance, and they get you a bunch of cars and put you in the house you always dreamt of being in, you buy your mama house, and I hope it... But tell, guarantee that when you say the lyrics out your mouth, we're going to drive through your block. We don't care who we hit. They're not talking about that person who's got that, who's in that, on that contract with you. When they come back and talk about, we're going to snatch your girl off the block and pass her around and bring her back. They're not right. talking about that man's right. wife and his daughter that right. live in that gated community. That's right. And those That's people right. will come and, and sit with you and bring you bring the jeweler to the show. And y'all will puff on sticks and y'all will always do that. But they'll never say, hey, listen, you might need to roll back a little bit. Let's see how we can tell the story without being so offensive. They ain't going to tell you that. Oh, no. Because what you're saying and how you're doing it is making money. 
That's right. And it's That's making more money about. for them than it ever will for you. That's right. If you Ooh. think you're making money, Ooh. imagine how Ooh. much the person who owns your contract makes. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Don't talk about That's it. Right. So true. Yes. Imagine. Yes. 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 They, they don't even realize what the long-term goal is. Who wants to hire you when you've gone past your expectancy age? Exactly. This kind of rap. People like LL Cool J, Run DMC, um, you know, Will Smith even, were able to transition from being rap artists into actors and actresses and, 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 and Queen Latifah. They were able to make that transition. Can you say the same about this? It doesn't artists? happen for everybody. And exactly. especially if you already if you've already put a stamp out there that I mean, you know, they that all of them had their edgy, but their edgy was never as edgy as never. some. Um, I look at some of the young women. I don't have any problem with you all having your 15 minutes in the light. Cardi B, Megan, Nikki, uh 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 Queen B, uh, little Queen B, all you know, not 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 Beyonce, but uh what's her name? Started out with, with Biggie. Little Kim, Lil Kim. Kim, Lil Kim. Y'all went the edgy way. Y'all went the edgy way. But understand, for every time you drag your butt on the ground and turn your ass to the camera and shimmy and shake, there's a five or six year old little girl watching you do that. I think that's so, what it is. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think there's a place for what you do. Mm-hmm. But when it's so accessible to the entire nation and everyone in it it's a problem for me yeah, because now yeah, you I think agree. i'm a little girl from the hood i got a big old booty we know what i'm gonna do with it i'm gonna shake right. it as hard as i can because right. money seems to fall down when you do it it's not, <laughs> yeah, that's right. not a You're good right. look right You're right <laughs> You're it's right. not a good look so i'm right. just saying we gotta we gotta we gotta be conscious of the messages that we put out there and don't think as you keep saying well i went to college and i went to this this y'all we we can tell how much you paid attention in college just mm. right okay and there's a lot of people there's a lot of girls in strip clubs right now actually playing their way through med school but guess what they are in a contained environment doing whatever it is they got to do that's mm-hmm. right and when it's but, over, I, but, over. but if you step outside then i got a problem with you because I got to walk down the street with my little girl and my little boy mm-hmm. with your half nakedness and whatever. Because I just can't. I can't. I, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's I just agree. me speaking oh. mind. They can come if they want, but they got to catch me first. Oh, so, so, man. You know, Allison, what's, give, me, give me some of your favorite, your favorite female singers, somebody that you looked up to, you know, um, when you were coming up. That influenced you and, and um well because you. because I came up in the jazz arena, of course, Elephant's Jell is my favorite. But okay. you know, I love Dakota Staten, which um, people might not know a lot about her, as much about her as they know as a Donna Washington. I loved Carmen McRae. I was lucky enough. Hey, hold on. I loved uh, Carmen McRae. I loved uh Dionne Warwick. Hi. I don't, sweetheart. I'm sorry. I don't have anything, no cash. See, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we almost cut. Somebody just came okay, right to the yeah, window yeah, asked me because yeah, they have $20. Let you go. Whoa, whoa. Oh. No. Right. You said, did you, you at least have 10 I said, I don't. Are you I'm so serious? glad I really don't have no money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to we let you go. We got to get out of Diva home. We got to get her out now. But um, yeah. like I was saying, um, I was lucky enough to have uh, Nancy Wilson as a mentor. Um, 
and Phyllis was a friend and I loved her. I got to meet Shaka Khan and she became a sister uh, friend who I'm in touch with. You know, so I'm glad Valerie Simpson, I'm glad to know that there are women that I not only looked up to, but I befriended them and we became family and I still have them in my life. So that's, that's the part that's amazing to me. People that I listened to on the radio when I was laying across the bed with my hands in my, you know, in my, in, in my chin in my hands and I got to really meet them and got to really work with them and to have them pour and pour wisdom into me and stuff like that. That's, that's what I love. Excellent. That's Excellent. what I love. Listen, I'm a little concerned about where you at, to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, yeah I mean, just getting hey. that way. What, yeah. Yeah. At what town you in where they can ask? They don't ask for a dollar. They want ten dollars. Yeah. Well, what happened to a dollar? They asked for ten dollars or twenty dollars. He asked for twenty, and he said, "Do you at least have ten? I think something. I think what? he went in the, in the gas station and then didn't have enough money to pay. I don't know what happened, but man, you listen. Know. In New York, we had, you know, they asked for at least, can I get a dollar? Ten dollars, man. Get all that in there, sis. It's inflation. <laughs> yeah, it's inflation. Uh, The good thing is he wasn't scary. If he was scary, I would have been like, you call, I got to go. No he doubt. wasn't scary. He looked like he no might really doubt. have an issue. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. But listen, I thank you so much for coming on the show. This is going to be, this was fantastic. I mean, you are just, you know, full of information. You're just a, a great personality. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that God spared you and kept you with us. You have so much to offer, so much more to offer. And we're going to be looking for you. A friend now, come on back anytime you got something going on. Mm -hmm. Please drop in. And you are welcome at all thank times. Thank you. I, I, want, I, want, um, I want my listeners to know that your listeners, our listeners, our viewers to know that they can find me, Allison Williams Music on Facebook. Okay. Allison Williams Music on Instagram. And okay. Allison Williams on Twitter. Although I'm not over there that much. I'm mostly Facebook. But nonetheless... Come on, check it out. You'll be able to see where I'm at. You know, obviously, you'll go where Dahlia is, and she's got it up and all of that. And I'm just so happy that you all wanted to have me and, and, and hear what I had to nice. say and, and shine a light on me, and I appreciate that more than you know. Oh, no, we, 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 it's yes, a pleasure. Yes, it's a pleasure. Yes. It's a pleasure. Yes. Much so. Yes. I just wanna, I wanna, do you remember this, uh, your college? We had you at your college. It was you, Melissa. Uh, it was you, Melissa. It was... Uh, Poochie and the Delphonics. This was this was like 2014. That was us that wow. brought you there at your college. That was us that brought you there, and it was a bunch of y'all. And uh, it was a good show. You did your thing. We had a good thing. show. I know that. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a good show. We had, <laughs> we had, blue, magic. We had blue magic. We had y'all. We had Ray Goodman and Brown. Y'all was on the same show. It was, it was great. That's when. Uh, well, we gotta have the, we gotta have more shows like that. Yeah, yeah, it's important. It's important. Even that, that classic R&B music moving. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that's what it's about. So yeah, me, me and Daddy are about to roll with this other thing I got called Diva Palooza, and it speaks into the Diva and Soul Palooza. So when y'all see that coming to a town near you, know that you're going to get good, solid, classic R&B. Uh, and um, it's just the truth. It's just the truth. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good, good, good. All right. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You got anything going on, Dalia? Let us know and we'll pop awesome. it. Up. I'll put it on my pages, whatever you need. We got you. Right up. Got you. Dalia, I'm going to text you when I get to where I'm going. Thank you. I was just going right. to The night continues on for me. You know, I got to get my hustle and my grind on. All right. <laughs> get out that gas station. Yeah, thank get out of there. Yeah, I love you, baby. Thank you so much. Over the years, you and I have crossed paths so many times. You you were always gorgeous. You were always humble. It's so many and and listen. I mean, so many times we crossed paths. 
Um, when you talk about the musicians, Harlem, I know your, your, your dad probably knew Andy Kirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Andy Kirk band. I know you knew Ralph Cooper. Matter of fact, I was talking to Ralph, Ju Ralph Jr. about a couple of days ago. He was supposed to call me back. We've been friends since like we were like nine, ten years old. You know, wow. but yeah, but you and I have crossed paths so many times. That's why so I said, I said, let me go talk to Allison. We need her on this show. And because that's like what I you said, did. We were there yeah, for the uh, yeah, R&B uh, Music Society free concert <laughs> down there in Atlantic City. And you that's came to right, me and stepped to me right, and said, listen, right. this is what we need to do. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, and I I love you for that. I love you for being a pro. I love you for saying yes. Get home safe. Call Donnie when you get there. So we don't have to worry about you. We love you. And mwah. <laughs> right, listen, bye -bye. listen before you go before you go we're gonna end it with this check this out it's allison williams y'all right here on the let's boogie one-on-one show let's Nation radio wjon we come on every saturday morning at 10 a.m thank you allison thank you, thank you.
Hey, I want to thank Miss Allison Williams for joining us tonight. That was fantastic. All right, that's enough for us, y'all. We'll see y'all on the next one. New day, new opportunity. Let's boogie one-on-one show. Bye-bye. All right. Take care.